Hello, and welcome to Tuesday Thanks, presented by Leeds Hospitality Group. I'm your host, Brian Proctor. Join me as we sit down to chat with yet another industry leader. Our guests come from a wide range of professions across the globe. We'll take the time to learn about their journey, where it started, and where they are today. We use this opportunity to allow the guests to thank an individual or individuals that played a key role in their career understand what they learned from the experience and how they have incorporated it into their own development and growth. Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater happiness. Not only can it help your mental well-being, it can also improve your physical health. So join us as we share some great stories, thank a lot of wonderful people, and of course, share some laughs. Let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Tuesday's Thanks. Today, I'm excited to be joined by Ashley Johnson. Ashley has recently been appointed as the inaugural Executive Director for the Howard University School of Business's Marriott Sorensen Center for Hospitality Leadership, which was created as a result of a $20 million gift from the J. Willard and Alice S. Marriott Foundation in 2021. Ashley, thanks so much for setting aside some time today to chat with us. I really appreciate it. Ryan, thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Great. Well, listen, this is exciting, and and I really want to get into the center, but we'll do that a little down the road because I think that's fascinating. But we're just going to do what we always do, start with how did you get into this crazy hospitality business? <laughs> Well, quite the interesting story. I grew up in a military family and my father's MOS towards the end of his 27 year long Marine Corps career was in food service. And so between traveling and moving somewhere new every couple of years as a kid and also being exposed to food service through his work in the Marine Corps, I always knew that I wanted to work in hospitality, have always been fascinated with hotels and travel and restaurants and that sort of thing. And so I also have an older brother that studied hospitality, works on the healthcare side of the business. And my mother was a career social worker. So I would say that we are a family of humble servants. So always knew that hospitality was for me. Well, first off, thanks to the service of your dad. That's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about growing up in the family. Do you remember how many times you moved? Yeah. Ooh, or too many uh, to count? <laughs> Certainly full times. The longest I had lived anywhere until even up until my undergraduate experience was four years. So being in school for four years at the same school was the longest that I had lived anywhere growing up. Wow. So. Yeah, and, frequently. <laughs> and most exotic place anywhere outside the country or was it all um, in the well, States? Okinawa, Japan was the furthest away that we were ever stationed. Yeah. But wow. all across the country, both East and West Coast. So anything stand out as a favorite spot, even though you were never there long enough to yeah. enjoy it? <laughs> Certainly loved our time in Southern California. We were stationed at Camp Pendleton. And so living the SoCal life is always the dreamy for sure. <laughs> yeah, we were lucky. I got to live in San Diego and then in Dana Point. So know that area very well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here freezing in Connecticut. I don't know what right. I was thinking. <laughs> so did you now... Did you go to school for hospitality as well? 
I did two times over, Brian. I studied hospitality resort and spa management at the University of West Florida in Pensacola, Florida. and had a great undergraduate experience. The hospitality program there was very new. It actually started maybe a semester after I had arrived there. So I started out as a business management major and just so happened to read in the school newspaper one day that UWF was getting a hospitality program. And I was like this is it. This is for me. And so they had hired at the time a well-known professor uh, from Virginia Tech's program, Dr. Candy Clement. And she came down to Pensacola, Pensacola, Florida to launch this program. And she was phenomenal. The program was phenomenal. She definitely sort of took me under her wing and uh, made every um, opportunity available to me. So since it's Tuesday, that's the first person that I should say wow. thanks to. She really made my undergraduate experience a very special one. And I also have a master's with a focus in hospitality and tourism from Florida International University, what now is known as the Chaplin School of Hospitality and Tourism Management down in Miami. I definitely took some time off to work in between the two degrees. So I was in a very different space by the time I went back to pursue my graduate studies. But Again, another phenomenal experience down at FIU. I knew that I wanted to go to school somewhere that was in a hospitality hub, right? And what better weather and more fun than Miami. <laughs> exactly. And, and, uh, and yeah, had had a really great experience there. You know, the legendary Rocco Angelo, who has been at the school now for more than 50 years, was a dean then and still a dean now. Uh, Rocco was phenomenal. Dr. Diane Newman. Mike Hampton was coming in sort of as I was leaving. And the school is now led by Dr. Michael Chang. And so anyway, for, sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you graduated from West Florida uh -huh. with just your BS, because, you know, then you went on to your master's. What was your first gig in the hotel business after that? Oh, man, my first job. <laughs> Post-graduation was with Lowe's Hotel. It was the sixth corporate management trainee in company history. Oh, wow. And so I was sent to Orlando, Florida. At the time, there was a regional support facility there and three really beautiful resorts. I think they now have five or six resorts in that market. And so, yeah, that was that was my first job. I recruited through an organization called the National Society of Minorities and Hospitality, NSMH. They have collegiate chapters all across the country. And so I was I started sort of being approached by Lowe's. I want to say maybe in my sophomore year, I met Leo Campbell and Alan Nomeyer and Tom Haynes. And, uh, you know, I was just a kid. I didn't know <laughs> what I wanted to do or how to get there. And they were talking to me about a company that, frankly, I'd never heard of before. I had never seen a Lowe's hotel, was unfamiliar with the markets that they were in. And so over the course of, of those three years, they stayed to me and had a really phenomenal rotational corporate management training program that really, you know, set my career off to a different trajectory. So, And so what, as the management trainee with Lowe's, were you working in every department in a hotel or were you based in their corporate offices or which which of the two? All of the above. Oh. So <laughs> our rotations included just about every department in the support facility. So 
I did HR and accounting and purchasing and procurement, work with a design team, all sorts of folks. And we also did rotations in each of the resorts there. So at the time I was a declared rooms girl, right? I did, I was not interested in anything else. And Lowe's had a different thing in mind for me. And so that was sort of my first foray into food and beverage. And so there were several F&B outlets and for the better part of that corporate management training time, I actually was managing room service. And so it was really great in terms of exposure of, you know, helping me better define all things hospitality, because in my mind, it's just like, I just want to work front of the house. I just want to work in rooms. And so that opportunity definitely showed me all aspects of the lodging business. So it's great. And and then was it from Lowe's that you decided to go get your master's or was there still more stuff in between, but until you went to get your master's? Yeah, a few things in between. When I left Lowe's, I had decided that I was going to start a business. I wanted to explore the options of entrepreneurship, even at that super young age. Wow. And so I had connected with a gentleman that's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Corey Jeter was my very first partner and we were doing real estate around about the time of, of the 2008 market crash. I mean, it sounded like a great opportunity. And so the timing probably was not great, but you know, the lessons gleaned from that in terms of, of really honing in on that entrepreneurial spirit of what that work ethic looked like, following up with clients and that sort of thing was really great. And so we did that for a few years. Um, and then I went back into hotel ops, actually. I relocated to Tallahassee, Florida, led guest services at a Doubletree Hotel there. If anyone's familiar with Tallahassee, at that time, there was just one major hotel and it was the Doubletree. And so as you can imagine, between Tallahassee being the state capital and also being the home of two large and prominent universities in Florida A&M University and Florida State University, mm -hmm. you know, a busy time. I think that opportunity to lead people, young people, definitely supported me in making sense out of the difference between manage management and leadership, right? And mm -hmm. so I am so proud that I had the opportunity to lead really a phenomenal team of young people, mostly college students, right? This was just a job that they were working while they were in school, but so many of them doing really phenomenal things and, and can certainly correlate their their time spent in hospitality to, to helping them do all the special things that they do now in their own niche industry. So that was a great time. And so well, when and I you left- were <laughs> you were young yourself. I was, I was. And again, it was a super fun time. Most of these team members that I had, had not really worked a formal job before. And it was certainly helping me sharpen my own saw, right? Of college students that would call out whenever they felt like it, Brian, you know, I party too hard last night. I won't be able to come in. And so who's filling the gap there, right? It's me. Yeah. <laughs> So a lot of young managers struggle with scheduling and budgeting and that sort of thing. And that opportunity um, really helped me sand out the rough edges on, on that particular skill set. So learned a ton and certainly gained friends for life from that, for sure. Yeah, I'd hate to have to be scheduling staff on a Sunday after a Seminole win, right? Because yeah. you know nobody was showing up. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
That's <laughs> funny. So, and what what drove you to get your master's? What what was the driving force to say, hey, I'm going to go back and I'm going to I'm going to get my master's? Yeah. So I was fortunate that while I was in undergrad, I sort of discovered a different side of the business, and that was in development and acquisitions and ownership. And so while that wasn't necessarily something that we were learning about in the classroom, you know, just through my own research, quickly identified that that was an option. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so, you know, I had a, I was afforded the opportunity to attend a NABHUD conference, the National Association of Black Hotel Owners, Operators, and Developers. And I want to say maybe I was 19 at my first conference. And the CEO of NABHUD, Andy Ingram, told me, you know, I tell you what, if you can get here to this conference, I will cover the cost of, of your registration. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I'll go and meet some folks in the industry. And so I did. And so anyone that knows Andy Ingram knows that he is a natural connector. He knows how to folks one to another. He knows how to connect the dots. And so through that exposure, I knew that there was a pathway outside of operations. And I knew that I didn't want to work in ops forever. And so that is really what fueled and motivated my desire to go back to school to get a master's. I knew that while hospitality values experience, you get to a certain point where you need the education to balance that out, to be able to continue moving in an upwardly mobile direction. And so that's what really informed my decision to to decide to put a pause on things. And I went back to school full time. I lived on campus the whole nine as a a older student, but I was older than most of the students for sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so you get the master's and then what's the first thing you do after you get your master's after your party, of course. Uh, (laughs) So I had a great time at FIU, obviously tons of famed alum that are doing great things in the industry. You know, I, I just thought about this recently. While I was in school there, I had the opportunity to meet Leland Pillsbury. And so that was like super eye-opening for me. And so, um, you know, at that time, the market still wasn't like fully recovered and there was not a ton of opportunity that was directly aligned with what I was interested in doing in terms of development and acquisitions, working on the ownership side of the business. And so... Actually, while I was in school at FIU, I worked at the Fountain Blue. They were, you know, fresh off of a billion dollar renovation. And so I worked in in human resources while I was there. And it was obviously a great opportunity. I think they have 2,600 employees on property. No better place to learn HR than at a unionized property. And it's such an, and also at such an, an iconic property. And so after I graduated from FIU, I was job hunting for a little while, I don't know, maybe a couple of months. And so that is actually how I got to DC and landed at the Hyatt Regency Capitol Hill. So oh. yeah, that's what brought me to DC. It wasn't necessarily on my radar, but of course was very quickly able to decide that DC could be a good place for me. I knew that there were enough corporate entities in the area, a lot of headquarters, a lot of folks are based here. And so that was great. Yeah. I came to the Hyatt Regency Capitol Hill working in HR. Little, a little chillier during the winter than you're used no, to in Florida, no. but... <laughs> DC is such a great city, though. It's one of my favorites. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my favorites. So at some point, you, if I did my, well, some people call it research, I call it stalking. If I did my, (laughs) 
research correctly, you kind of migrated from, I don't want to say corporate world, but into education, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. you've had a, a lot of positions or a lot of experience with mm -hmm. different universities. And I want to talk a little bit too about the hospitality leaders today, the HT100. Yeah. I think you, I, I want to understand what that is, but what yeah. caused the move into the faculty slash education format versus the corporate world? Yeah, yeah. So after I got here to DC, I sort of, you know, at the time, lots of people were calling me asking for a lot of help, Brian. And so that help is defined in a myriad of ways, but I quickly determined I could consult full time. And so that's what I ended up doing for a number of years. And so that consulting work independently took me a lot of places. I worked with and for new hotels that were opening, like in a training and development type of capacity. I was working with um, high net worth individuals that were interested in investing in hotels and just frankly didn't know where to get started. I was working with industries formerly outside of hospitality, but needed a better understanding of what I like to call the magic of hospitality, right? That delivery of exceptional experiences. And so I was consulting for, um, you know, wine companies and automotive manufacturers and dry cleaners. I mean, it just sort of ran the gamut. And so in my time of doing that, I was getting a lot of invitations to come speak at various universities, right? All sorts of schools. I'm just sort of as a guest speaker or a guest lecturer or a convocation speaker. And I started noticing over time that young people that were preparing to graduate and or young professionals that had already graduated and had been in industry for some time were just absolutely lost, right? Of... I am over this job. I don't know how to get another one. And so I'm just leaving the industry. I was very much seeing a bit of a mass exodus, right? I graduated year one and by year two, I'm burnt out. And now I want to go work at a bank or I want to go do something else. And I thought, um, you know, how are you not in touch with your alma mater? How do you not have the relationships to be able to pivot into a new opportunity, either internal or external to the organization that they were working for? And I thought there must be some sort of disconnect at the university level is, is what I was thinking. And so I very much was using those guest speaking invitations to sort of um, better educate these students to be better prepared for when they were planning to graduate. And so it was around this time that I got a phone call from Virginia State University in Petersburg, Virginia. Mm -hmm. uh, there is an alum of the program many, many years prior to me getting there. And uh, they said, hey, you know, we're looking for someone with quality, relevant industry experience that wants to come into the classroom. You know, would you be interested in relocating down here and teaching a few classes? And I thought, oh, this is so great. I'm going to give back to the young people. I figured I'd, you know, do it for a year or two. I could certainly still consult in my free time. You know, you hear about people that work in academia and it's like, oh, they get summers off and like all these holidays off. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> and, you know, what I discovered when I got to Virginia State is that, you know, students needed an incredible amount of support. 
above and beyond what they were receiving in the classroom, right? To be more intentional about pursuing internships that were going to bear fruit in the future, right? Of being made aware of other or alternative opportunities that are available other than just what they were sort of being presented with. And so it was around this time that I thought, I'm seeing this need across the country. It's not specific to Virginia State University. Um, And so that's when I started, a few years after I started HLT 100, Hospitality Leaders Today. And so it really just uh, was a labor of love. I, I, you know, created an application and an interview process for students, specifically Black and Brown students from across the country. They could go to any school that were interested in careers in hospitality and, and potentially something more than what was being sort of pitched to them and what they were learning about in the classroom. And so created a professional development program for them, which at the time was being, you know, administered remotely, but this was certainly pre home and teams. Yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of 1-800 pre-conference calls happening and emails sort of going back and forth. And so, you know, what followed sort of a six to eight week professional development process was an in-person summit that I would host. And so the program always maxed at about 25 students from across the country. And for this summit, I would essentially pick up the phone and call industry friends and say, hey, can you meet me in this city at this day and time? And I'm going to have these students here. And Brian, as you could probably imagine, what a C-suite level executive may say to a group of 25 students may be very different than hearing them on stage in front of an audience of 2,000 at a larger conference, right? And so, and students also really um, benefited from having the opportunity to engage with these executives and these owners one-on-one in a much more intimate environment. And so really blessed and fortunate that what came out of that, you know, the, the 100 part of, of hospitality leaders today or HLT 100 is that I had a commitment to developing 100 new leaders over the course of five years. And so what was birthed out of that was a, a 100% internship placement rate and a 100% post-graduation job placement rate. And those students most certainly are off to the races and doing phenomenal things, right? If they went straight into industry or went to grad school, they are all doing, frankly, really phenomenal things and super proud of work. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So you, you kind of like the academic part of it, right? I really enjoyed the student development piece of it. Loved being in the classroom. So at Virginia State University, I was teaching five classes, right? Which is a lot. (laughs) And of course, was also serving as a student club advisor and was super engaged with students on campus. And so when I transitioned out of Virginia State University, I actually came back here to D.C. Around that time, Georgetown University was launching um, a global hospitality leadership master's degree program. And so I taught courses in that program, which then led me to the Rosen College down at the University of Central Florida. Huge program at the time. It was the largest in the world, nearly 3,000 hospitality management focused students and a separate campus. And the Rosen School is known throughout the world. And there I was, I I had a bit of a hybrid role. And so I was in the classroom, but I was... um, also acting as an administrator of the internship programming there. And so when I transitioned out of that role, 
I did something that doesn't frequently happen, I would say, in the academic space. And part of why lots of folks consider my career to be that similar of, of a unicorn in that I stepped into an assistant dean role at the University of Houston, Hilton College of Hotel and Restaurant Management. And so to be in a leadership role at any university without a PhD is virtually unheard of, certainly was at the time, without sort of that, you know, a formally demonstrated commitment to education of holding a PhD or minimally a EDD just wasn't something that was the norm at the time. And to do it in such short order certainly made for a unique sort of pivot in my career. So yeah, I no, read at, at that point. <laughs> no, it's, it's fascinating to see that. I mean, I, I spent some time when I was a GM in Indiana and in doing some speaking engagements at Purdue with their hospitality yeah, program. Excellent program. And, you know, and my problem was, you know, once you put me in front of a bunch of people, I can't shut up. So, you know, <laughs> the, the professors always had to like have the cane next to me and like uh -huh. to get me off there. But I also used it as a, to my advantage because I would hire two to three interns every summer mm -hmm. for my property. And by virtue of speaking to the class, you could see which ones were truly interested, which ones Absolutely. were, you know, you know, false and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and so I loved it, but uh, I've always thought about going back and doing that, but I don't think anybody would hire me, but it's, it's a missed opportunity, but I, I, I love that aspect. And I love the fact that people like you just get enamored with it and then just continue to grow and develop the, the next you know, generations of hoteliers. Yeah. So in the essence of time, yeah. what I would like to do, because what you're doing at Howard University is kind of cool. So, and it's fairly new. And as I said in the intro, you're the inaugural executive director at Howard for this. So talk a little bit about the the Marriott Sorensen Center. I've never met Arnie Sorensen, but he was in a weird way, one of the reasons I started Tuesday Thanks, because when he passed, mm -hmm. as I've told many times on this show, you know, LinkedIn was just flooded with everybody saying what an impact he had had on their careers. And while I'm assuming he did know that, you know, if you don't tell people while they're around, what's the point? And that's kind of the genesis mm -hmm. of this, this show. So I'm fascinated to hear how it all came about and what the what the vision of the center is and what you're doing and the great work you're doing. And so I'm just going to shut up now and let you kind of expand <laughs> upon that because I know everybody wants to hear about it. So, yeah, yeah. So I'll start with Arnie. You know, I would attribute some of my, what some would consider success in my career has been courtesy of the relationships that I've been able to forge through my engagement with industry associations and organizations, right? So I spoke about the National Society of Minorities and Hospitality and the National Association of Black Hotel Owners, Operators, and Developers. You know, I am actively involved with the Latino Hotel Association and with the Asian American Hotel Owners Association and several others. But as it relates to Arnie, my introduction to Arnie Sorensen was at circa 2010, 11, 12, maybe even maybe a few years later with the American Hotel and Lodging Association. And so while I was in grad school and working at the Fountain Blue, I really started to get more involved with AHLA 
not only at the state level, at that time there were state memberships and the state affiliates were members of AHLA. So worked very closely with the Florida Restaurant and Lodging Association and those relationships sort of trickled up to AHLA. But also around that time had the opportunity through the leadership of Joe McInerney, who was the CEO of AHLA mm-hmm. at the time. You know, Joe really believed in the promise of young professionals. And so there was a group that was established known as the Under 30 Gateway. And so it was specifically for young professionals across the country. It was a, you know, a membership that was carved out specifically for young professionals, but there was also a board attached to it. And so I had the opportunity not only to serve on the board, but also be a chairwoman for two years in, in, in chair emeritus as well. And so during that time was when I first met Arnie Sorensen. And so when I think about our initial meetings, he, of course, was <laughs> excited to see that young people were a part of this in serving in a leadership capacity at the national level, was always so kind, super genuine in asking, okay, well, Ashley, where are you and what are you up to and what are you thinking your next steps are? And please do let me know if I can ever be of help or support. And so that was my introduction to Arnie Sorensen of just him being a part of AHLA, obviously being, you know, the fearless leader of what now is the world's largest hotel company, but also through his work with AHLA. And so how this center came about and how I came about <laughs> as it relates to the center. Arnie passed away in February of last year. And, um, you know, what you saw on LinkedIn is what people saw and experienced from him every day, right? Certainly one of the most well-loved, revered, and respected leaders in our business globally. And so while I never formally have been an associate of Marriott International, you know, I can I can testify that Arnie was all of those things just yeah. through our interactions in industry and attending conferences and that sort of thing. And so after Arnie's passing, in very short order thereafter, the Marriott Family Foundation endowed a gift to Howard University to create what now is known as the Marriott Swanson Center for Hospitality Leadership. They knew that Arnie was passionate about identifying the cause of this gaping absence of Black professionals in executive level roles and in ownership. And so to honor his life and his legacy, that's where this gift came from. And so the center is laser focused on identifying and developing the next generation or not even the next, really the first generation of black executive level leaders and owners in the hospitality space. And so while yes, lodging is a huge part of hospitality, we are defining hospitality in its most broad sense, right? And so the work that we do here does have a particular slant towards hospitality as it relates to real estate, investment, and innovation. And so we know that those opportunities are not often presented to young people in a way that seems achievable. But through the work here in the center, the programmatic efforts that we're carving out, the admission process into the center, we seek to welcome a cohort of students each fall 
And students will stay sort of in the center until they graduate from here. And so this program is unique in that it's not a degree program, right? So students from across Howard University's campus have the opportunity to apply and interview to formally become a part of the center. And that's very intentional. We know that while a hospitality management degree or hospitality administration degree is certainly valuable, it is uh, historically not a prerequisite to becoming a C-suite level executive in this business, right? Yeah. And right. so we welcome students that are finance majors, supply chain management, international business, architecture majors, engineering majors, political science majors, interior design majors. We know that all of these students obviously can play extremely impactful roles in the industry. And so these students stay within their field of study, but through their engagement with the center, they will have unprecedented access to executive level leaders in this business. You know, as the old adage goes, if you can see it, you can be it, right? And mm -hmm. so the idea is that these students will have access to industry leaders. They will have the opportunity to travel both domestic and internationally. They will have the opportunity to attend the conferences. Obviously, through all of this exposure, we'll be very intentional in supporting them and identifying opportunities for corporate exposure through their internships. And so the thought is that by if it, let's say a student starts as a finance major as a freshman and they have interns, let's say three internships before they complete their time here at Howard University, upon graduation, their career is already set to a completely different trajectory, right? And hmm. that we know that these students, while they will have an appreciation for operations, we know that that's not where the disparity exists, right? The, the disparity or the lack of, of diversity, equity, and inclusion in our industry, we know that hospitality is the most diverse business in the world, right? There are plenty yeah. of black and brown folks that work in hospitality. It's just that that, represent, that representation absolutely disappears at the top levels of the business. And so we also have a really amazing educational partnership with NYU and the Tisch School. And so... When students, their time here at Howard University, they will have the opportunity to attend NYU to pursue a master's in hospitality. And then from there, they're off to the races, right? And so yeah. the idea is that we will be showering the industry with super talented students uh, that absolutely can be business leaders leading the hospitality industry in the very near future. Yeah. Well, that that is amazing. And I think you know, down the road, we could do a whole show on this. So yeah, I, may, I, 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 I may come back to you in season three and season four to see if we can reignite this because I think it's a great, great discussion. But in the essence of time and, and everything, because I know you're very busy and it is Tuesday after all. So I'd like to, I know you've mentioned a couple of people so far in, in your journey. I'd like to turn the mic back over to you now to, you know, are there other folks that you would like to give thanks to? Yeah. Yeah, I think I mentioned Dr. Candy Clements was instrumental to my success as an undergraduate student. All of the fine folks down at the incomparable Rocco Angelo, Dr. Diane Newman, Dr. Michael Chang, and they actually recently hired an endowed professor of diversity specific to the hospitality program, Dr. Brian Barker, who really been phenomenal and really changing the landscape of the programming there, FIU, and that's been a part of the organizations that I have been a part of throughout my career, NSMH and AHLA and 
NABHOOD and LHA and AHOA have all been super instrumental. I think about Dr. Williams, who made possible my first opportunity to um, join the ranks of, of academia to hospitality. And along those same lines, I would be remiss to not call the name of Dr. Ernest Boger, widely and affectionately known as the godfather of hospitality education. And he is absolutely the reason that I um, enjoy this work and that I gave this work an opportunity for me to serve it, right? Because he has paved the way, frankly. He was the trailblazer in this space. And, you know, I think about my time at AHOA, the really amazing women leaders that I've worked with, and Rachel Humphrey, who at the time was the COO of that organization. And we've had the awesome opportunity to work together again in forming the Women in Hospitality Leadership Alliance. So that has been really great. And so when I think about specifically this opportunity that I've been afforded here at Howard University, after this gift was stewarded by the leadership of the JW Analysis Marriott Foundation, their executive director, Mika Wick, Jen Lawrence on their team has just been absolutely phenomenal. I would be remiss to not call the name of my dear friend, the late Ray Bennett. Ray was the former chief global officer for Marriott International and passed away in May of this year. Ray was instrumental in supporting the structural work of the center. I know that he was instrumental in calling my name when folks were asking, hey, who could we tap to lead this phenomenal initiative? Ray not only has been a phenomenal friend, but he has supported me in supporting students throughout my time in higher education. So when I was at Virginia State and I needed a guest speaker, I mean, can you imagine the chief global officer of Marriott International coming to my classroom with like 20 yeah. students, right? 15, 20 students. Ray, you know, spent his life creating pathways to opportunity. And so he supported HLT 100 when I started that, Have, was very intentional about recruiting students from every program that I've been a part of. And so his legacy most certainly will be honored through the work of this center right alongside that of Arnie Sorensen. And so Thomas Penny and Scott Berman and all the folks that have made this opportunity possible mm -hmm. for me to join the team here at Howard University and lead, frankly, the first of its kind type of initiative. I'm so grateful to them all. Cool. What a great list. And, and obviously you've touched on so many different avenues and so many peoples. And the, as I said, I, I wish we could keep going for hours here because I, number one, I know you have a life. And you don't wanna, yeah, exactly. But I mean, the things that you're doing are just tremendous. And I think we should all be very thankful for people like you that take that initiative to really take time to develop others and really show them a path to success. So, so I'm serious when I think I may call you back on another season to, sure, I would love to. to A, check up how, how you're doing at mm -hmm. Howard and how things are going and, and dive deeper into that because I think it's fascinating. And then, you know, truth be told, I, mean, I know you and I spoke about it a little bit, but a previous guest on the show is a big fan of yours, Mr. John Ferguson, who oh, is, chief, John is amazing. <laughs> yeah, the chief human resources officer with NASCAR. And, and as I told you, I think in the second time I was chatting with him, he said, listen, it's okay to talk to me, but you've got to have Ashley Johnson. And that's how 
we made the connection through John. So a big thanks to John for- Yes, thank for, you, John. And for, his amazing wife, Dr. Yuve Ferguson, who is a professor here at Howard University. So I would be remiss to not give Yuve a shout out as well. She certainly was instrumental in, in throwing my name in the hat for this opportunity. So a huge yeah. As well, well it, it sounds like things are going well. So, well, listen, I, I can't thank you enough. I know how busy you are getting this thing off and running and all the things that you have going on. And so I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for mentoring so many young people coming into the hospitality business and, and showing them that there is a pathway to different ways of getting to the head of the class, so to speak. So, so thank you. And as I always say, if it's a Tuesday, people get out there and thank some people, they're going to love it and you're going to feel much better doing it. So (laughs) Ashley, thanks again so much for joining us. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for the opportunity and this amazing platform to spread gratitude. Appreciate you. Oh, well, you're very welcome. you enjoyed the show today and thanks so much for tuning in we really appreciate it if you would like to be a guest on the show so that you can thank someone for their role in your career please reach out to me via our tuesday thanks website at www.tuesdaysthanks.com remember a sincere thank you goes a long way to making someone feel appreciated and can make their day so until next time be well Be safe, and please don't be afraid to tell someone thanks. Chat soon.